0: Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Well, good morning. We are going to press forward with our missions emphasis. I love this time of year. My favorite um, two weeks of the year. I probably say that every time we get to a, a series or something. But right now, I'm so excited about missions because missions is the very heartbeat of God. Last week, we had Sam and Lisa Paris with us. How many of you appreciate them? Man! We, we sat down with them at lunch, and I just sat in awe, listening to stories of what God is doing in and through their family uh, as they're just pouring into the hearts and lives of people in Vanuatu. Um, this morning, though, I want to talk to you about missions, the, very, the heartbeat of who we are, not only myself, but as this church. It's our heartbeat. It's what pushes us forward. Today, I want to take a few moments and talk about missions. The Assemblies of God's Mission Endeavor for 2019 is simply titled, To the Er Ends of the Earth. So here's what I truly want you to grasp. Missions is not something that is new to the church. For Bethel Assembly, it has been a calling that has rapidly been growing over the last several years. It's a driving force behind all that we do as a church. After all, our mission statement is this. To love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. Love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. That is the heartbeat of missions. To do all that we can to love those all around us, to reach beyond our comfort zone and empower others to fulfill the calling that God has placed upon their lives, ultimately to go to the ends of the earth. But missions did not start with Bethel assembly. For the assemblies of God, which is who we are, it goes back to the very first general council, the first time that all the churches gathered together in 1914. Anybody there? Just just checking. This is Hot Springs, Arkansas. It was at this first general council of the Assemblies of God that this group of individuals gathered together and they so valued missions that they said it is one of the five reasons that we come together and gather together as a church. But missions is not a new idea. It's not the latest fad. It's more than The heart of Bethel assembly is more than the heartbeat of the assemblies of God. Missions is the very heartbeat of God. That is what I want you to grasp this morning. Missions is so much larger than just myself or you or this church or even the assemblies of God. Missions is the heartbeat of God. At the very root of its existence, it's God. How do I know that? Because John 3.16 tells me this. For God so loved the world... He gave. God so loved the world, He gave. Why did God give? Well, I believe that He looked across humanity. I believe that He saw our errors and our faults. I believe that He saw our shortcomings and our, our attempt to reach to Him, but every time we fall short, after all, the Bible says that we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. So he looked upon humanity and he realized that there was, in fact, a great need. So therefore, he gave Jesus as our answer, our resolve, our salvation, our Redeemer. But likewise, we are called to give. We're called to give of ourselves. We're called to give of our abilities and our talents. We're called to give of our time. But we're also called to give of our finances. Just give so that others can come to know the good news of Jesus Christ, the saving grace of our Messiah, our Lord. That's the heartbeat of missions. Giving to reach beyond yourself, to reach those which seem so unreachable. To reach to the ends of the earth let me show you where we stand as a church with missions. But first, let me me say thank you. Thank you to every single one of you that have been faithful to missions this past year. Because of your faithfulness, we have been able to reach farther to the ends of the earth, literally, as a church for missions. We have seen our missions continue to grow each and every year. In 2012, when Angie and I first got here, the church began to really dive into missions. What is missions all about? You see, at that point, we supported four missionaries or missions projects. About 50% of the giving for our missions came from the general fund. The other 50% came from the body. But to date, we support 55 missionaries or missions projects. 55 missionaries or missions projects. That's absolutely amazing. But here's what is even more amazing. 100% of the giving for our missionaries on a monthly support comes from, guess what? The body. People like you and, and myself that believe that we are called to reach to the ends of the earth, to reach beyond ourselves and give just as God himself gave. In 2012, we gave just shy of $8,000 as a church to missions. That's pretty good. But in 2018, we gave $66,066.43. God is good. Amen? Amen. I am delighted to report that our missions giving continues to increase throughout the year, last year. More than anything else, our mission's budget was the strongest. That's good news. What that tells me is we're beginning to grasp a hold of missions. We're beginning to understand the importance of reaching beyond ourselves. But it'd be easy for us to sit back and and relax a little bit and say, well, pastor, man, we've jumped from just shy of $8,000 to over $60,000 and just about seven years. I think we're doing enough. I think we need to kind of slow down a little bit our missions, I think we've we've done our part, but I don't believe that's the case. I believe that as long as there are people dying and splitting the gates of hell wide open, we must continue to invest and share the good news of Jesus Christ, and that includes missions. We are called to go, look at the words of Jesus. Matthew twenty eight, nineteen. Therefore go. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Therefore go go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is looking upon us today and He says, I've got a calling for you. I've got a responsibility for you. I've got something I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. But I don't know about you, it's not always easy to to go to Vanuatu. We took a missions trip this last year in 2018. About 15, 16 of us went to Honduras. Can I just tell you, it was hard. We spent three days in the jungle. We took several hours driving down this side road, actually their main road, but it was, it's worse than the gravel out here on Parkhurst. My little Mini Cooper gets like, lost in those potholes. These things were massive. And we're going down there several hours down that and then we got onto this carved out boat that was fiberglass covered and went about two and a half hours, I believe, down the river, which later we found out had alligators in it. <sighs> they didn't tell us that beforehand. The, the, the little guy tried telling us. He'd said there were, there were dinosaurs, I think it was, dinosaurs in the river. And we're like, ha, ha, ha you're funny, ha, ha, ha. Later on his dad's like, no seriously, there's alligators. Anyway, so then we go on down the river and then we hiked up the side of this mountain to stay in this church that had never had a missions team before and we camped out without um, electricity. We had a generator but no electricity and no shower and no really working toilet stools. I'll let you figure out the rest of that. And we realized, wow, our missionaries have a heart for this. Not that they loved hiking up the side of mountains not that they like not having electricity but they realize the importance of going to the ends of the earth Now, for people like you and like me it's difficult for us to to continuously be on a mission trip and, and go places so how do we how do we counteract that how do we go into all the world and share the good news of jesus christ we send our missionaries We pray for our missionaries. We ask God to bless them and pour upon them. In April, our staff will have an opportunity once again to join together with hundreds of pastors from across the state of Missouri at our annual Southern Missouri District Council this is a time when all these assemblies of God pastors from our area gather together and we go over all of our bylaws and, and all of those things and we have services together and have a mission service. And in that mission service, we will be presented several new missionaries that are ready to follow their call to reach the lost and to go to the ends of the earth. All they need is the support of churches like Bethel Assembly and the support of people like you and like me, to not only pray for them, but to financially send them to the lost and the dying of the world. Now, our text for today, what I really want us to, to rest upon for a few moments today, is John chapter 17. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's shared with them what is about to take place with the crucifixion. And then he begins to pray a prayer. And in this prayer, he prays something that I believe affects not only the disciples that day, but it also affects our lives today. Jesus cried out to God, our Father, and he said this, Just as you, God, sent me into the world, I am sending them. Just as you have sent me into the world, I am sending them. Then after his resurrection, he approached the disciples and made the statement once again. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I don't know how much you've read through the Bible, but as you're processing through the the words of Jesus, he makes some pretty challenging statements. He, He says some things that every once in a while we're like, At one point, he said, you are going to accomplish what I've accomplished. In fact, you're going to do even greater things than these. That's pretty massive, right? But in this moment, twice, he says, as God has sent me into the world, I am sending you. What has he called us to do? To be his voice? To be an ambassador for him? to be his representative, literally to go and make disciples, to raise up people, to share the good news, to take hope where hope is lost, to bring life to the lifeless, to reach the unreachable. Jesus has given us the authority and the calling and the mandate to go into all the world, to the ends of the earth, and make disciples. Raising them up to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Him. Church, that's what missions is all about. That's why we take two Sundays at the very beginning of the year to really grab a hold and refresh this heart and refresh this passion and refresh something inside of us that missions is vitally important. Jesus said, I am sending you into the world. You could place your own name there just as the Father has sent Jesus so He sends you. Place your name in there, Jimmy. Place your name in there, Gary. Place your name in there, Stephanie. Just as God has sent Jesus so He sends each and every one of us into this world to make an impact for the kingdom of God. But I want to look at five levels of our involvement. So what does it really look like? If we are to to grab a hold of this uh, mandate or grab a hold of this calling, uh, what does that look like? And and how can that really be um, defined in our lives? Well, let's look at five levels of commitment or five levels of involvement. Number one is the spectator. See, a spectator is one that simply passes by or or gazed upon or simply attracted by the crowd have you ever been to an area where there's a lot of people and suddenly there's a really long line and you're like i should probably go stand in that line because there's something exciting going on there come on anybody else ever do that and then you find like i I was at a place one time and i was getting ready to wait in this line i'm like this is this is the line of where i think i want to go Come to find out it was a a business where they had all their employees all gathered together and they're like, no, where you want to be is over there. And there was no one in the line where I wanted to go. Anyway, I'm the only one that finds myself in those crowded places, just me and a bunch of other crazy people. But a spectator is one that simply passes by or gazes upon or is attracted by the crowd. Many joined to watch Jesus as he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Many more joined together to watch the trial and his crucifixion. You see, for many, for the spectator, the crowd is all about the social events. Something entertaining, simply something simply to watch. To many, that's what Christianity has become, simply a spectator sports. See, there's a second level, the admirer. This is the one that, that watches from a distance. Not really making a connection or even a plan to make a dedicated choice or a change. Secretly, though, they admire. The, the admirer tries to be like the one that they admire, but they miss the mark. Why? Because there's no real dedication. There's no deep commitments. There's no great sacrifice. There's no need or even a desire to inconvenience oneself. No desire to put forth a a major effort or even assume any responsibility. Admiring ultimately is is all they really want. The third level would be this, the follower. This is where many Christians might find themselves. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of This church. I'm a follower of fill in the blank. An individual that desires to be like the one they admire can be referred to as a a follower. A follower takes admiration personal and begins to apply it with action. Um, but oftentimes they don't go to the full extent. Why? Because they've just followed. They've never really made it to that place of a true heart change. They just followed i remember several years ago i was going through my student teaching and i was preparing to be a high school teacher and i had to get certified from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade so there was a time that i had to teach um first and second graders lord bless any first and second grade teachers. And I always wondered, why is it that the teachers stood on the sideline of recess like this? You've you've all seen the teacher stance. And they kind of rock back and forth. And they watch the kids on the playground, and they they don't do much besides this during recess. I thought, that's really sad. They should be out there playing with the kids, right? So I saw, this is back in the days of merry-go-rounds, the the millennial generation. They don't understand merry-go-rounds. Um... So there's a merry-go-round, and it just kind of spun around in circles. You put kids on it, you spun until one flew off, and that was the merry-go-round. And there was a merry-go-round out there, and the few kids were on it, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go push the merry-go-round, so here we go. And I'm pushing that merry-go-round, and soon I had a lot of followers. Followers. They, they began to look and they were like, oh, I want to be on the merry-go-round that Mr. Gray is pushing. So suddenly, one by one, these first and second graders began to pile on this merry-go-round. They were following everyone else. And, and, and then we had about 70, no exaggeration, about 70 first and second graders piled on a merry-go-round. And I looked over here, and there's about five on the other merry-go-round. Nobody's pushing them. And and they're not following. They're like, we don't need Mr. Gray. We got ourselves. So they're over there, and I'm like, I'm going to go push their merry-go-round. So I begin to push their merry-go-round, and suddenly my 70 followers were like, oh, he moved. And those 70 joined the five, and now I've got 75. And they're piled on like cordwood. So then I realized there's a reason why teachers are on the sidelines doing this. So I slowly began to meander away, hoping they didn't see me and follow as I left. Sure enough, one by one, they were like, Oh, he moved. (laughs) So then my my slow meander turned into a little slight jog, and the slight jog turned into a run as I had 75 first and second graders following behind me on the playground, following, wanting to be wherever Mr. Gray was. Well, here's the end of the story. As you all know, there are some students that are faster runners than others. So that clump that was once on that merry-go-round began to spread out because you had the fast runners and you had the slow runners. The problem as I was running is I ran out of playground. So there came a point that I had to turn around and come back. Now with that, I was running this way And my followers got longer and longer, and they surrounded me and tackled me. (laughs) Moments later, I hear the whistle of the teacher, and there was probably a few chuckles and laughs from the other teachers, but the whistle blows, and the teacher says, all right, climb off, Mr. Gray. (laughs) The kids all piled off and went on to recess, and then I suddenly began to be a follower of the other teachers trying to discover what does it mean to be a teacher how do I do what they're doing there's another level you see we've got our spectator that watches from a distance and our admirer just wants to gaze upon you our follower that chases you at recess and then we have number four our disciple the word disciple simply means a learner a student an apprentice, or a carbon copy of the teacher. Truly accepting and becoming a disciple requires that one engages in the discipline and submission that comes from the one that they are modeling themselves after. In our case, Jesus. It's saying, Lord, I submit my life to you. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, obey the commands if you want to be what I've called you to be, gives us the mandate, go and make disciples, spreading the good news of Jesus. Here's what I find interesting. To be a disciple is the minimal requirement that Jesus desires of us. See, I believe that Jesus desires for us to be more than a spectator. The Bible says there's coming a day when people will cry out, Lord, Lord, and say, I don't even know you. Why? Because they were spectators. They were just admirers from a distance. They were just following the crowd. Jesus says, I want you to be my disciple. To be a carbon copy of who I've called you to be. See, it's not enough to be a spectator. It's not enough to be an admirer. Quite honestly, God asks more of us than just being a follower as well. And honestly, I think he wants us to take it one step further than a disciple. Our fifth level is the messenger. You see, the word messenger literally means one that is sent. Jesus said, just as God has sent me, so I'm sending you. See, Jesus desires for us to be a messenger, to go into all the world, to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells his disciples, he even cries out to the Father, just as God sent me, I'm sending you. You and you and you and you and, and me. This commission of the one that is sent, is not to be a, a flippant request, or a, but a, a charge, a challenge, a commission to go and reach the world, to reach the lost for Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus says that we who believe in him will not only do what he has done, but even greater things. So I ask you this morning, uh, of our levels, Our spectator, our admirer, our follower, our disciple, our messenger? Where do you see yourself? At what level in your walk with God do you find yourself today? We are called to be messengers, to be a representative, to be an ambassador for the one that sent us. Just as God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. Missions is our mission. It's our calling. It's our role as a Christian. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says this. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Let me read that again. We, you and you and you and every one of us, we are Christ Ambassadors, God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Look at that. God is calling us to be His mouthpiece. God is calling us to be the avenue in which He flows to reach the world. To reach to the ends of the earth. We are his chosen vessel. To share of Jesus' love. His forgiveness. His saving grace. Missions is God's chosen avenue for us. We are Christ's ambassadors. The question is, will we accept the to commission today and move forward as a messenger or we, will we reject what he's called us to do and just be a spectator? Wow, well, it's quiet. Will we accept the call or just sit back and be an admirer? He desires to equip you To use you in his divine purpose. I want to ask Carrie Keys to come, if you would. Many of you know Carrie. Come on, give Carrie a round of applause. Back in the summer of 2018, seems so long ago. But praise God, we are getting out of winter now. That's good news. That's good news. That's real good news. Uh, God reaffirmed a call in your family to missions. We, we talked um, during our vision casting service and annual review. We took a moment and watched a video and you shared the heart. But I want to talk a little bit different, not necessarily about the, the calling for missions for your family. But I want to just talk to you about missions. For you, why is missions important?
1: You know... I, I mean, not just to reiterate um, what everybody should already know, but, I mean, um, just like some of the some of the scriptures you put on the screen uh, today, you know, Jesus told us to go and make disciples of people. Um, he, you know, he didn't just say, hey, I'm going to have a few of you, or I'm just going to have pastors, or I'm just going to have youth pastors, or Sunday school teachers make disciples of people. Um, he, he was talking to everybody standing there, and, and he was talking to, you know, into the future. He's talking to all of us. If we're, if we are followers of Christ, that's not just to sit and enjoy his presence. That's, that's to go and make disciples and win souls for the kingdom of heaven.
0: So it's easy for us to sit in a room like this and, and talk about missions and go, well, that's really good that God calls missionaries. Um, But really is that calling, and you've alluded a little bit to this, but is that calling more than just for those that God has called into a a lifehood, a livelihood or a lifetime of missions, is it more for all of us to do our part to further that call?
1: Yes, it's, it's for absolutely everybody. Anybody that, that has Christ in their heart should have a burden for souls. And missions isn't just going to that swinging bridge and crossing the river in the jungle. That's the idea we get about missions, but missions is is even in our community. For example, uh, my dad is uh, a missionary with U.S. missions, which means in our homeland. Um, he's in North Carolina, and he's a missionary to the uh, the Native American Indians in that area and works with uh, the Native American Bible College, which is an Assemblies of God college. Right. So he's he moved across town from being a pastor of a church to being a missionary. Um, but your mission field is wherever you are. You know, right now mine is is where I work. It's the people that are around me every day that see how I live and hopefully have seen a change in how I live. Um, you know, that, that, um, that lifestyle Christianity, not just a, hey, let me tell you about a friend named Jesus. You know, right. that's not all it is. It's it's what do they see every day and what you're, what you're doing and how you're living. Okay, so
0: besides just uh, showing the example and being an example of, what Christ has done in our lives to those around us. What else? What could we do, the average person, what can we do to be involved in missions?
1: The very first thing you can do um, is is pray. Absolutely. Um, I think any any of these missionaries that stand up here and and talk to us and, and talk to churches all around to raise support would probably tell you that it's more important to them to have the prayerful support of people than it is to have the financial support of people. I mean, because God, God will take care of the finances, but there is power in prayer. And sometimes it's, it's it's not necessarily a dollar that they need when they're out there in the middle of wherever. I keep pointing at that picture because I love that picture. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's a move of God that they need right then, right there. And if you're a praying person and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, maybe you're back here and God lays it on your heart. Maybe he wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, Pardon, my sleeves are bothering me. Maybe he wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, pray for this missionary. They're going through a hard time. Um, so even, I mean, just, I say, just even prayer. I mean, I think that's the most important thing is, is supporting missions with your prayer. Um, but also, obviously, you can um, support financially. Um, and, you know, just, uh, there's, I think there's different ways of doing and helping that, that God can lay on your heart. Maybe, you know, somebody needs something specific and you can help with that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I know even our missionaries here last week, we had people in our church that even as a service was going on, God began to speak into their hearts. We had somebody that gave our missionaries a sewing machine because their sewing machine was got, got messed up in a big hurricane or something that came through and, and was destroyed. So someone gave them a sewing machine. I, I believe we had somebody, no one in particular Carrie keys that gave them a Bluetooth speaker because you heard the missionaries say just in passing, our Bluetooth speakers broke and God laid upon your heart. To give a Bluetooth speaker, I know you didn't want any I shout out there, but, but, credit. I, I'm, just, <laughs> but yeah. I'm just sharing, I'm yeah. just sharing that, that God speaks into our heart in those moments. And sometimes it's in, you're like, really? They need a sewing machine? Why do they, they don't have electricity. Why do they need a sewing machine? But they need the sewing machine so they can make clothes for the, the locals around them and just be a blessing to them. Maybe it's financially supporting and partnering with Bethel Assembly. And I will, I will tell you, every dollar that comes in for missions goes to support missions in some form or fashion. It doesn't offset office expenses. It doesn't offset salaries or anything like that. It goes directly into our missions budget and supports our missionaries. Some of them are local. We have some missionaries that are right here in town. We have some missionaries that are here in the United States. We have some missionaries that are around the world. Why? Because we are called to go to the ends of the earth to make an impact for Christ. Let me ask you, Carrie, before God, uh, re-instilled in your heart, this call for missions, was your family faithful in supporting missionaries?
1: Yes. Can we elaborate on that one? <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I'll just start with the, the prayer. Since I touched on that, um, we, uh, you know, we we pray for missionaries that have come through here. Uh, I know sometimes just, uh, you know, you know, doing the, uh, the the safety and security position out there. Sometimes I've been just by myself, just keeping an eye on things while the service is going on. And I I look at that wall and I think about those people. And some of them some of them I know. Some of them I've known for for years, and some of them I've never met before. And some of them have come and spoken in our church. And and uh, I just you know I just pray, Lord, whatever they're going through right now, whatever they need right now, you know, uh, just you know keep them safe and be their provider and show them your awesome power in their mission field and and just pray for them even though I don't know them um, but also um, you know financially with uh, with the card and the seat, the faith promise card um, you know Tara and I've always tried to be faithful in um, support with with our finances in that way and and when it comes back around hey you know can, can we step it up a bit this year and, and, and move out in faith a little bit so um, we we've, we've always tried to be supportive of missions. uh and I, you know, I just I, I grew up in a home where missions was was a priority and right. obviously my dad's a missionary now. So uh but that was always something that was, you know, I always understood it as missions is that's important. That's that's right up there on the priority list right. as far as our Christianity goes and, and what we're supposed to do. And so I've I've always felt strongly about supporting it. So what kind of impact has that made on your life and on your family's
0: life of supporting missions and and being a part of that?
1: Well, I really believe that, uh, you know, God's in control of our lives from day one and he takes us down a certain path. And then one day we stop and go, oh, that's why, you know, (laughs) and I think very much that's What happened to me with with growing up in a home where, I mean, we had missionaries sit at our own dinner table telling these crazy stories about things that God did. And I was just, I mean, that would just, I was always in awe as a kid. Like, wow, that is so cool. Like, I want to be there. I want God to work in my life like that. You know, I want to see those things, you know. And so I think eventually that led to us, um, you know, had a part in leading to us and our calling. And, you know, Tara had a calling at a young age, too. Um, but I think uh, us being faithful with, you know, supporting missions and stuff, um, has just always kept that as a, as a priority and, and as an important thing right in front of us. And I think eventually that, that led to where we're at today and and, and where we're headed.
0: Awesome. So, so as you were faithful in missions, you're faithful to small things, God put you in charge of many, God led you to a brand new place and now your family is preparing for the mission field. Uh, I actually got a email a couple of days ago that wants me to give you a recommendation for your credentials as a God missionary. <laughs> I think That's I'm gonna say Pastor. yes. I think I'm gonna say yes. Super excited of the journey that God has your family on, but more importantly, I'm super excited for the heart for missions. That you, you see it's not just God sending you, but it's God sending the masses to reach this world for the kingdom of God. So thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Carrie. Amen. Amen. Let me wrap this up very quickly. How do you get involved in missions? Carrie alluded to some of this. and talked about a little of this a moment ago. But how do you get involved? The first thing you begin to do, and I've shared this before, I share this almost every year. Why? Because I think we need reminders on a regular basis the very first thing you can do is begin to pray for the spiritually lost. Where are the spiritually lost located? Is it just Vanuatu? Is it just the other side of the world? Is it just in Honduras? Is it just in Guatemala? Is it just in South Africa? No. The lost are all around you. Now, many of us, we think, well, we live in the Bible Belt. Everyone around us knows about Jesus, right? I had a salesman come through the office the other day. He was was trying to sell us some advertisement and we were processing through and I had the asked the question I start with is this. Do you go to church anywhere? And he said, well, you no. Know, I, I grew up uh, when I was little. I was baptized Episcopalian, but we just went there that one Sunday and never went before or after. I said, well, do you have a Bible? No, I don't have a Bible. So I gave him a Bible and we began to talk. Now, this is somebody from the United States, a Christian nation, right? And I said, well, do you understand what the Bible talks about? No, not really. So I began to talk about what God did for us. God so loved the world that he gave. And I said, now, if I'm talking about things that that you understand, that you've got, tell me. He's like, no, 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 I don't know any of this. Now I'd love to tell you that, that in that moment the spirit of the Lord fell and he was radically saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and called the ministry and today he is reaching the masses. Well I talked to him the other day on the phone and I said, hey have you, have you connected, have you plugged in? He's like, well I, I haven't yet, I said, well I'm praying for you, I said, what's going on in your life? He said, well my neck hurts, I said, oh, I'm praying for your neck. So I paused right there and said, God, heal him. God, do do something, Lord, to bring him to you. I said, well, Pastor, why did you just ask me to go to church? That's the the segue. Sometimes you scare him. You go, are you a Christian? That's a little scary. But I began to share the good news of Christ. And you would think, man, he's from America. So surely he, he knows the Bible. He knows all the Bible stories. He knows about David and Goliath, he knows about Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah and the whale, Noah and the ark. He knows all these stories, right? No, this man knew nothing. But I got a moment, and I planted the seed. I said, God loves you. God loves you. He sees where you are. He sees what you're going through in life and he gave Jesus to die on the cross for you. See the very first thing you can do is, is pray for the spiritually lost. But do me a favor, don't just talk about it, act upon it. And the worst thing we could ever do, someone tells us about something and we're like, well I'll pray for you, but we never pray. It's just kind of a, the closing comment, it's like it's the, the tag out, 10-4 good buddy, I'll pray for you, but we never pray. I challenge you, be a people of prayer. Prayer is the, the, the avenue which God uses for us to connect with Him. It, it's our spiritual cell phone, if you would. The greatest reception of all. Pray for the spiritually lost. The second is invite them to church. Anyone can do this, it's not overly difficult, it might be out of your comfort zone, but it's the calling of God. It's our call to go into the highways and the byways and compel them to, to reach out beyond ourselves, to reach beyond these walls. I believe that a church that is self-absorbed is a church that will soon die. A church that is c- concerned more about our own cares, our for and no more, is a church that is soon going to die. Why? Because missions is the heartbeats. Get outside of these walls. That's why we're going to the Performing Arts Center for Easter. I want to encourage you on your seats this morning. Every one of you had one of these. To join us Easter. By the way, this is not just an invitation for you. I didn't put this on the seats so that you would remember that Easter is coming. You all know that Easter is coming. I gave you this card this morning so that you can share this and pass this on to somebody else. But maybe you say, oh, pastor, I can do more than just one card. We've got yard signs out there, 50 of them. We've got posters and and flyers and more cards, stacks of five. I want to encourage you, share the message of Easter. Why? Because we're going to talk on that day about what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to talk about the price that he paid. For God so loved the world that he gave. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? That's good news. Anyone who calls out to God will be saved. But look how it goes on. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them will you tell them will you do your parts it's possible that that young man that I had a conversation with about two weeks ago in my office it's possible he could have lived his entire life never hearing the good news of Jesus will you tell them Will you be the voice of God? We read it just a moment ago. God is making His appeal through us. We are called to share the good news. And finally, start supporting missions. In your seat this morning, some of you filled them out last week, but in your seat this morning is a faith promise card you can start by making a commitment to financially support our missionaries I want you to understand this morning that a faith promise let me explain exactly what it is a faith promise or a missions offering is not a reallocation of your tithe but it's a specific offering for a specific purpose it's saying Lord I'm going to trust you above and beyond what you've called me to do with my tithe I'm gonna trust you to provide in fact it says on here I understand that you're making uh, let's see where is it uh, this is an agreement between you and God it is understood that you may revise your promise, your commitment at any time it's with God's help it's trusting in him. It's relying upon him. It was Jerry Burgess many years ago in the Pentecostal Evangelist magazine that the Assemblies of God once had that made this statement: In a spiritual sense, missionaries are sent by God. In a practical sense, they are sent by laypersons. That's us with a vision for missions. In the spiritual sin, they'll sent by God. In the practical sense, they'll sent by us. We have God. We have missionaries. We have laypersons. Remove any one of these three factors and effective missions will no longer exist. Our missionaries are relying upon God. Our missionaries are relying upon us to do our parts. So in your hand, you hold your faith promise card. I want to encourage you. Do what you can for missions. Maybe you say, well, pastor, I can't afford to give anything to missions. I I just can't. I can't do it. Have you talked to God about that? Have you asked him, God, what would you have me to do? See, God can make a way where there seems to be no. God, God can do more with what you give him than what you ever could do by yourself. Maybe for you, you say, Pastor, I can give $5 a week. I can give up Starbucks once a week to give to missions. Maybe for you, you say, Pastor, I can give $500 a month. I don't know what that looks like. You see, it takes all of us doing our parts. All of us are working together to reach the world, to go to the ends of the earth. So you have in your hand your faith and promise card. I'm going to pray, and, and I trust that you've been praying about this throughout the week. I, I trust that you've had the conversations together. But I want to pray, and then I'm going to ask my ushers to receive these cards. You've got a large card, and then it's perforating of a small card. If you'll Rip that apart. The small card is for you. That's our reminder so we don't forget. right? And the big card comes to us. Why are we collecting these? So that we can then compile and say, God, we had X amount of dollars come in. What would you have us do for missions? I would love next month at our missions banquet at the district off our district council, I would love to bring on several new missionaries. Why? So we can reach more people. Yeah. That's what this is all about, reaching the lost for the kingdom of God.